Today's episode is brought to you by Next Issue, the mobile app that lets you tap directly into the world's most popular magazines anytime, anywhere, using your phone or tablet. You can try Next Issue for free right now when you go to nextissue.com slash badchristian. Also, today's show is sponsored by Audible, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audiblepodcast.com forward slash bcpod. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. All right, buttheads, I don't have time to think of a better nickname than that because I'm tired. We just got off stage. I'm going to bed. We're in Salt Lake City on our tour bus, and I'm going to bed. Now, this episode you're going to hear is great. Um, we had Pete Holmes as a guest. Actually, he had us as a guest. Toby and I went to his house in Hollywood. Pete is a stand-up comedian. He has a podcast called You Made It Weird. He's terrific, very fun to talk to, great guy. Great opportunity for us. You've been asking for him for a long time. I'm glad we got to finally sit down with him. Um, so I'm not going to promote anything. I don't have anything else to say. Like I said, I'm going to bed in a second here. I'm going to lay down, and I'm going to sleep in my clothes and eat candy until I fall asleep and enjoy it before I get back home to my wife's house. All right, let's do it. Three, two, one. Did I catch you off guard? Three, two, one. Go. You got to give him a little more time tonight. What in the world? Three, two, one. <laughs> you got to give him a little. All right, Joey. See, see how fast you can come in. Third one. Hey, everybody. This is the Bad Christian Podcast. We're going to have a sexy time. Okay. So, Joey, update time. Update time. Okay. All right. So. We're gonna get. I'm gonna totally catch everybody up to exactly what's going on in our world. The episode we put out last week with Michael Gunger, we discussed how we were in an Onan generator repair diesel repair shop industrial complex in their conference room because our bus generator's been broken down, and we've been through just hell and back dealing with that and yep. so it's been p- pretty sad and pretty somber and we've been to more than one repair shop and they hadn't had the part and we've just been going on and we've been worried we might have to go this whole tour without getting any air conditioner or getting our brand new eight thousand dollar generator that's oh, that, that was so awful fixed so when we got re- done recording that last episode it was right here we're right here right now we're recording the next episode two we're still in, here two in one day so toby and i are still in that same conference room that we were in last week we just took a break went to check on it our damn bus is fixed Woo! And yeah the guys here at the shop that fixing it were having a barbecue ribs burgers hot dogs mm. ketchup mustard a cooler mm. full of drinks and all the me- mechanics and workers sitting out there and we got to go stand around with them yeah and uh, get it fixed, and our bus is up and running. So this is we are on a high note right now. This is good stuff. It's a natural high that I have right now. No drug yeah, can make awesome. me feel this way. So, uh, and even further update from that, we are in El Paso, Texas. We're yep. about one minute away from Juarez, where the drug cartels are. Yep. We drove overnight to get here. We're driving tonight to be. We had to be in Phoenix tomorrow. Then we're going to L.A. And then on next Friday, in the way it works, I'm trying to tell this in real time. Next Friday for me. We're going to interview Pete Holmes, so that's the episode today. Yeah. So on this episode, we have Pete Holmes, but in reality right now, this is still a, a few days before that. And so, um, yeah, so the first half of this episode is here in the generator shop, and then the interview part will be sitting there live with Pete. And so we'll talk about that a little bit 
later on, but that's that's just to catch you up, Joey, and let the listeners all understand the the timeline. We're getting more episode. and more famous people on this podcast. Yeah, so it's unbelievable. Tell me this: um, Did Toby make any uh, tour resolutions this tour about eating or drinking or anything like that? Um, he did the one. Yeah, well, he often will say at the beginning of a tour that you know what? I think I'm probably not going to drink on this tour. I'm going to exercise every day on this tour, and then neither of those things happen. Now, hold on, Toby. I, Don't interrupt I, me. I, don't interrupt me. I'm getting mad. I'm so, about but, to no, get mad. Well, I'll report that Toby did not announce that he was not going to drink on this tour. He just went directly to drinking. So at, least he's, Pastor more, Joey. at least he's more honest. Now, he he did do the one where he he thinks the way that the tour is routed and how where you drive to uh, could have been better. And he says that like yeah. it's never happened before. <laughs> but each and every time we have a drive that seems weird, he goes, huh. I guess this could have been better. I think whoever routed this tour might not have done a good job. And he says that like it's a novel thought, but he's, he's literally said it at least every single tour, every single time. In my defense, we have not had air conditioning this whole tour, so I, that's all I've been focusing on. It's really crazy. But on, honestly, we've almost gotten a little bit used to it. Like, not at what, night. Bad tour during, during the day. The only time oh, it's really evening. bad is night. Yeah. When you try to lay down and it's a one yeah. gajillion degrees, you feel like you're cooking in a pizza oven. But I no, I haven't made any resolutions, Joey. No resolutions at all. And I'm just living free, living real, just keeping it real. Now, tour route. Well, I was, I was going to say, I was going to say, if you did, then it's out the window for tonight with what Matt just described. Oh, All yeah, I he's going to be in party mode. You know, gonna, oh, I got my, I'm getting my Hawaiian yeah. shirt on, and I'm going to get loose. It's an yeah. off day of the tour. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be insane tonight. We're going to hopefully meet up with that city's burn and, and hang out with them if we can. We might have to drive a little bit. I'm going to go golf balling. There's, there's two I'm things gonna. that make Toby go wild on. <laughs> Uh, well, really, anytime you know this, uh, Joey. But they are number one. If, like, let's say he was around his family or something like that, and then they left, <laughs> then he would be sad, and he would that would immediately turn into ultra uh, aggressive party mode. Right. That's his response to when he gets <laughs> sad, handle or if something bad, or if something bad happens, like if the generator was broken, like he's going to party tonight because our generator got fixed. The only thing that could make him party harder would be if it was an, pr- proclaimed that it was totally broken and we yeah. weren't going to get it fixed then he would even probably be even more aggressively uh in party mode i, I call say. it the sad juice it's the sad I, juice. I get sad like so joey you know like you say you get kind of down you start thinking about something and, and then you go to darker paths right you go just right. that's the way your 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 brain works you my, spiral down toby spirals up my brain my brain goes hey this is really bad goes, you, you have to become aggressively <laughs> unbelievably in party mode to handle <laughs> your life right now yeah and that's I what i do it, happen, it really i mean honestly that's an interesting parallel because it's like uh mania or you know right. like if somebody's manic uh or, or bipolar they get in those states or whatever so yeah. maybe that is kind of a condition but and it really is the inverse of spiraling down into a private depression so when you if something bad or sad happens you usually literally spiral spiral up into a manic mode yeah of i get, party, I get of, joy of, yeah so i mean yeah i, I get that from my mom my mom used to do kind of the same thing which which mental disease and disorder would you rather have of those two <laughs> the one that makes you unbelievably fun party man or the one that makes you go sit in your room and cry <laughs> two diseases <laughs> I want, uh, it sucks. I have a disease too. I'm the life of every party. Uh, which one do you like being around more though? Because I mean, sometimes you don't want a guy that's going whoa, yeah. When bad stuff happens, sometimes you want a guy that's yeah. like, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, but I can't go there. I have to get joy. So you have a hard time with the uh, weep with those who weep. You want to party with those who weep. Yeah, I want to get live. Like, 
I, I, and you know what? And that's what, honestly why even like thinking about Joy's depression is hard for me to understand it. And I probably you want to party it away. I, I probably yeah, I probably try to go opposite like Joy oh, make do. make jokes be crazier and crazier yeah. on the funnier side because I think well let's, this is how you get out of it. Yeah, definitely. If something bad happens to you, you party hard. You yeah. lose your job, you party hard. <laughs> yeah. Your best friend passes away, you party hard. <laughs> you eat too much, you eat more. <laughs> That's what you do. Something bad happens, you you go the opposite direction. That's how I handle it now. Yep. You're right. Sometimes that seems insensitive. It, it could. It might. It might. Anyway, Joey, how's things going with you? But still, still back there, even though right now everybody knows it's a complete setup since we said we just talked to you on the broadcast that we just recorded minutes ago. What? How you been the last 20 minutes yeah. since we were on break? Oh, man. Yesterday, Yesterday was me and Priscilla's anniversary. Oh, and, bless uh, your heart. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. definitely. 13 years, man. man. Pretty crazy. So we, one of our favorite things to do is walking around downtown. We, we don't have a whole lot of money to burn on a big meal. And we weren't that hungry because we went uh, out to eat with some friends, Jeff and Diane. Uh, and they treated us for lunch, and we had a lot of food. So bless their hearts. Yeah, bless their little hearts. So we weren't that hungry. Uh, anyway, so we walk around downtown, you know, check out some things, get, went to Starbucks, and uh, you know, it was just super nice outside. So we get home pretty late, and you know, we bought a bottle of wine. I got some Bud Light Premium, which I'm not sure what I think about Bud Light Premium. Have y'all had it? Yeah, I don't like oh, Plat- Platinum. platinum. Yeah. No, yeah, I, don't I don't like it. It's platinum. no good. Yeah, 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 Platinum. Yeah. No, I don't like that um, But anyway... We wanted to, uh, you know, enjoy our drinks and just kind of watch a lighthearted comedy. So we ended up watching Tammy uh, with Melissa McCarthy. And it just hit me. It was like, I think that in the late 90s, maybe even early 2000, the slapstick humor produced epic movies. You know, when I think of epic movies, I remember with Toby us going to the theater to see The Wedding Singer. Um and there was such an electrifying environment where everyone just couldn't wait for this movie to start. It was almost like seeing the next Star Wars. I mean, there were people with just such anticipation seeing the next Adam Sandler movie that followed up, oh yeah, Happy Gilmore, one of the most unbelievable comedies of all time. Those things have gone away, like slapstick comedy and that are hyped up like that, that people just want to see so badly, you just don't have it anymore. So I'll give you some examples. Tammy. Okay, there are some funny parts. Jenny, you know, Melissa McCarthy. Is that her name, Melissa McCarthy? Mm-hmm. I think so. No, Jenny. Yeah, so, her name is yeah. Jenny McCarthy. Yes, Jenny McCarthy. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah big she woman. had some funny moments, but it wasn't a great movie. You know, uh-huh. going from Dumb and Dumber to Dumb and Dumber-er, horrible. I mean, there's that movie Sandra Bullock, Heat, uh, Fred Claus. I mean, these movies... So, so what, what I think, think um, are awesome movies about weren't they? They didn't actually do good though. <laughs> yeah, these are she's naming yeah, the but, best but, movies of all time, and then some just bad movies. Yeah, yeah. but okay. Let us no, finish. Let finish. So, so name name some comedies that have come out recently that were hyped up, like an Adam Sandler, Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. or Tom uh, Chris Farley type. Movie. Okay, I, I just don't I will. Think, but so, so let me take a, a different angle on it that you might be missing, and I don't know if this would be obvious to Toby or the listeners out there. Basically, what I'm getting is, I think if you looked at it a little more objectively, you might see that you are romanticizing that period, just like people in 
their music, they're typically stuck in their years between 18, you know, 16 and 22 as far as their musical tastes. And this nostalgic and reminiscent, you remember when you went to that concert or when you got right. that album. That's not the same when you buy a record when you're 24. And I don't think that environment, and, and we know you're classic. I'm not even making fun of you, though, as far as, like, being nostalgic and liking to tell stories of stuff. I think the golden years of Joey's whole life were college, and I think that includes stuff like going to the theater with me and Toby and other and Devin and everybody and laughing at those movies and seeing something about Mary. I think you associate that and the ultra-positivity and the laughing out loud in the rows with your best friends um, when you first got into that stuff. and I think that's yeah, really hair. romantic versus watching a, Mel- a bad Melissa McCarthy movie with Priscilla after you drank four and a half Bud Light Platinums. I think that's not clearly that's not the same environment and I would say as far as movies go I think that Adam Sandler still is making movies by the way all you named was The Wedding Singer and Happy Gilmore but um, they you you look at it this way Adam Sandler makes maybe not as good of movies and maybe weirder or cheesier stuff now but how about you you would just say that's been replaced now by Judd Apatow and Seth Rogen and those people those are laugh out loud racy they're the new generation of those so I'd say all the Judd Apatow uh, the what are those movies? You know, Knocked yeah. Up and uh, the what's the yeah and Sarah I don't Marshall think and all those. Sarah yeah. Marshall. Now, like like Bridesmaids, unbelievable movie. movie. But that's, that's like a, that's, that's one in a hundred now. The Millers, did y'all see that? Yeah, it was okay. Uh, hey, I didn't think just, it was that great. Were you just insinuating that uh, sharing drinks with my wife on our anniversary yes. right before it goes down? Yes, I'm well, insinuating not, not that that's good. good Hank- I'm saying that that is in no way as good of a comedic. I don't know. Maybe at your place it is really comedic, but I don't know. I think that environment's quite different. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, so as far as funniness, not yes. Of course, you're, you're describing gotcha. sitting in the rows of a theater with Toby and Joey and Devin and gotcha. Joel Green gotcha. and dying so, laughing. Now you're talking right. about sitting on the wife, couch with your wife on your anniversary night watching a bad movie. Right. <laughs> I think I think for me though my favorite types of movies now are the the drama make you cry but funny movies like way way back I don't know if y'all seen that with Steve Carell the little boy that uh, has a horrible summer and friends that yeah I mean that little like Little Miss Sunshine Descendants with George Clooney Win 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 is awesome those are are the best movies nowadays what are some other movies that make you laugh and cry what are What's some that? other movies that are good? Um, have you seen? <laughs> have you seen? <laughs> have you seen I'm Warrior King? You just I know you are. And I'm playing along. This is the Bad Christian Podcast where we list we list movies. Some of my favorite snacks include Goldfish and Sour Patch Kids. But you know, my best friends in high school's name were John, and I also had a friend named Steve. Mike moved away. But Toby, to his point, do you think comedy is is more, better now or worse now? Is that I don't mean that kind of seems like what you're saying, but I would push back the other way, uh, and we're going to talk to Pete Holmes in a little bit. So I'll probably even try to bring this up when we interview him. But comedy today seems to be in the coolest place that it's ever been, from my point of view. I, I believe what movies or stand up in general? In general, because I think comedy's moved into a way more introspective and personal and realistic place. And it's less about, yes, uh, yeah, you can't go back and do Abbott and Costello once you're past it. You can't right. do burlesque humor. And then Dome and Domer, you can't just do that over and over again. And so it has to progress. Yeah, but you're talk- and be Matt, you're talking about, 
I'm saying comedy in general, good comedy is at a deeper, more developed, uh, higher brow place than it's ever been. I think with other comedy podcasts and stuff like that. Movies, maybe not as much, but I still think even the comedy movies are, are, I think the Judd Apatow crew are making some really funny movies. So I don't think comedies are worse now. That's my opinion. Toby, what about you? Well, uh, to go back to your point about Joey, I, I think movies probably are fine. It's hit or miss with me. Entertainment in general is changing, so I think that's what's neat. Now you can find comedy and humor not going to a movie theater. You can find it on YouTube. Sure. You can find it on Twitter, whatever, you know, written word. All this stuff is way more important now, so that's really cool to me. But I, I have to mention something else. One, two things I learned from this part of our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no one... And it's not, I don't know, I wonder if it's always going to be years, but there's nobody on earth that loves 15 to 20 years ago more than my friend Joey Spencer. No, right. His favorite genre of movie <laughs> I mean, is. It, it, I don't know if that's a year. Yeah. Like maybe 15 years from now, it'll be now. Yeah. He'll, he'll have stories about this. No, and I, I think he'll stay. But fi- Joey's stories always are, his 15 to 20 years ago are the stories that are just floating yeah, in his head. For sure. And now here's what is really interesting. Joey, I hadn't even told you this. Joey's daughter, Gwenny, stayed at our house the other night. And uh, I didn't tell the story uh-uh. yet. Yeah, uh, she stayed at our house the other night. Really fun. Ruby just adores her. My daughter's so excited. They had a really good time. Um, but she's mine and favorite. Mine and Bridget's favorite. Spencer. Wow, that's mm-hmm. good. And so uh, I, I like Rosa and Waylon and William as, just as equally <laughs> as Quinny. Um, <laughs> but that, that's, that's for ten. That's, that's for ten, 10 years, years from, from now when they're all listening to the Christian podcast, podcast right? right. So, so they have a good time, uh, and then I'm taking them to Vacation Bible School that morning, and, and Ruby, um, Ruby and, and Gwenny are going, and all the kids are in the car. And so uh, we're getting close. Everybody's kind of talking a little bit. I'm listening to talk radio or whatever. Just The kids are kind of goop, being goofy. And Gwenny goes, um, one time my dad told me when he was in college that he was walking <laughs> across campus, <laughs> and he found a little baby squirrel named Nutty. And I was, and, and, and um, so then he went and talked to his professor, and his professor gave him a phone number to call. And that's when and I said, "Oh, I think you mean Nutsy." She's like, "Yeah, that's right. It was Nutsy." And he was able to, to talk to the professor, and then the squirrel was able to uh, be taken by a lady, and the squirrel was then maybe adopted, and it, and it was okay. And I'm sitting there going, "Oh my gosh, this is unbelievable!" I said, "I said, Gwenny." I said, Gwenny, why did you tell that story? She said, because I thought you would want to hear it. <laughs> and in that moment, I went, I went, her dad wants to tell stories because he thinks you'll hear it. And two, his daughter is telling stories about Joey's life from 15 to 20 years yeah. ago. <laughs> She's hey. been infected. And now even Gwenny, how old's Gwenny? <laughs> How old is Gwenny? Uh, so even Gwenny's stories are all now from the late Joey. 90s. <laughs> hey, here, hey. Listen, listen to this, though. Listen. Listen, listen to this. this. I mean, your daughter's telling your stories. From before she was born. That's no, her bank of listen, stories. Listen, listen. listen. Every, every time I get, get in the car, car and it's me, Gwenny, and Rosa, Rosa, every single time, time what's their, their request? request? Tell us a story. story. Right. So I ha- I've run out of stories. I've gone from when I was three years old all the way through college. So contrary to you guys heckling me right now, that was the last story that I told them before going on the retreat. The weird thing about that, though, was all my kids just made fat jokes at Gwenny's expense. Here's, here's the thing. 
<laughs> Here's the thing about that time period is I met you guys who are currently still my best friends, like, uh, and, I, and I can name a bunch of other guys that I still keep in touch with that I met that I met in that time period. I met my wife in that time period. I also found myself in one of the deeper, darkest depressions, uh, like late 98, early 99. And so that's really crazy to think back on that time. But that really is, uh, I mean, you're, you're right. I would say from like 98 to 01, that was an epic, epic time in my life. Yeah, sure. I, I, do, I do understand that. And I am sorry that the, your, the, your life since then has been so horribly disappointing. I know. But that, I, I, mean, I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, your family must really appreciate that your favorite time you've ever lived was Just well before, before them. they were involved with you. Right after, right after them. No stories. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about right now. No, yeah, nobody does. We're no making, one does. We are making it up. We are making it up, my friend, <laughs> as we All go. Right. All right, Joey, we're going to take a break here. And by break, I mean a long break. And then we're going to talk to Pete Holmes, and then we'll do some news. Is that all right with you? Sounds good, good man. man. All right. We'll be right back with Pete Holmes, everybody. All right, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Next Issue. So your time is precious, and you want to feed your mind with the best of what's out there. But who has time to sift through all the nonsense on the Internet? Now, I know you know what I'm talking about. You read a bunch of junk, stupid articles that's, that are basically crap on your Facebook feed. And really, that's a replacement for reading actual magazines with good writers, with good stuff where people know what they're talking about. For me, I've always been into Car and Driver magazine. I've been into Popular Science. I've been into, I read ESPN, the magazine, and now I can get those on Next Issue, the app. I'm really excited about this one. I think you guys should be too. So for those of us who want premium content and don't have time to waste finding it, there's Next Issue. Next Issue is the mobile app that lets you tap directly into the world's most popular magazines anytime, anywhere, using your phone or tablet. The best part is that Next Issue is offering a free trial right now when you go to nextissue.com forward slash badchristian. Again, you can try Next Issue for free right now. Go to nextissue.com forward slash badchristian. All right, guys, I just got to ask you a couple of questions. Do you have irritable bowel syndrome and do you love it? Do you like stubbing your toe in the middle of the night? Do you enjoy watching Bambi's mother die? in the movie Bambi. Well, guess what? I don't either. Those are things I don't like, but here is one thing that I love, and that's Audible. Right now, I've been going through the book Breathless by Dean Koontz. I've been I love the sci-fi. I love the scary stuff. It just gets me, it grips me, and I get all scared and spooky in my bed when I'm laying there at night. So much so that the other night I actually was listening to the book and <laughs> I heard a noise outside my window and just got freaked out. It was so awesome. I was like, man, this is so cool. Like it just brings the book to life. It's just so fun. And right now, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice, my friends. That's your choice, not mine. And a free 30-day trial membership. So just go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash badchristian and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. That's unbelievable. That's so many. Download a title for free and start listening right now. It's that easy. Go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash badchristian and get it right now. Get the book of your choice right now. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash badchristian and get started today. 
Folks, we also got a musical sponsor today. Our sponsor is a really, really good band that we like a ton. They're called We Are The City. They're a new indie rock band from Tooth & Nail. They're from Vancouver, B.C. Their album, Violent, came out earlier this year. We think it's excellent. And uh, I'll tell you what, let's listen to a song from it. This one's called I Am, Are You? So they've got new music and U.S. touring coming soon. So pay attention to We Are The City. Go to toothandnail.merchline.com today to get their album and more stuff from them. All right. And now we'll just drop in here with our uh, convo with Pete Holmes. We we sat down at his house, started talking, and I'm just going to fade it up right into conversation. For me... Uh, watching pornography or something, which is always my go-to, like, quote-unquote sin. But that's because that's one of the most readily available uh, accepted sins, is that, like, you do it because you want to go, I'm I'm the boss of my life. Nobody tells me what to do. And that feels good. Yep. It feels good to drink so during the day. it's not about, like, great boobs and people it, screwing. It can be. It can be. <laughs> but that feels different. That yeah. feels different. If you go... Like, if the, if the need presents itself... And you see two options. One of them is having sex with a girlfriend, and one of them is looking at pornography. It's better to go with it, but with the girlfriend, presumably. But then sometimes a need presents itself, and it's just that other one. It's just the one that goes, you're the king. Do whatever you want. You should have naked harems dancing for you. Right. That's a different thing. I don't really want to bring my girlfriend into that. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Like, it's a weird thing to be having sex with another person, another living spirit, you know what I mean? And just jerking off in her vagina, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, not to say that you can't do that if you don't want to. <laughs> well, but I mean, at the same time, though, do you think that the pornography or anything has a negative effect still? Like, I mean, growing up as a Christian or whatever, is you, do you still feel that sinful, uh, you're doing it and it's naughty or something? Is that part of it? Like, when you said that control, you're doing it like as a fuck you, that I, I felt so bad for doing this for so long? Yeah, maybe. I think it did for a long time. I, yeah. I actually... Um, my spirituality could could have been reduced to uh, whether or not I jerked off or looked at pornography. Totally. Like yeah. that was, I think a lot of young men, I, I can't speak for women. I'm not trying to exclude them. I'm just saying a lot of young guys that I knew also had that sort of thing. Yeah. Would have prayer meetings and every week my sin to confess was lust, which was just code for like, is am I the only one jerking off? There's a bunch of like 15 year old guys. Why was it I the only one yeah. saying right. lust? Right. Either you're, some of them I actually found out later were just going nuts, like real hardcore kind of 
almost like something I would associate with like a fundamentalist Mormon sort of thing. Like they'd like tying your hands together at night. Not really, but I mean like they, I don't know what they were doing to not do it. Probably repressing themselves into asexual adults. Uh, but I, I would be like, I'm close with God because I didn't jerk it. Yeah. And now if you go on my, de- in my office right now and we can after this, I have the two playboys that I used to hide oh, really? under my bed you, on my desk. And so you have them now and you can just put them out instead of hiding them. That's like symbolic for it's, you. It's, yeah. it's a real gesture to yeah. me, to myself to say that like, it's, I, I believe in leaving the doors and windows open and in your house, in your internal house. And there's a way to do that that I suppose is scuzzy. And I certainly might put them away if my parents visit or something. But like, for me, it's not like a barbershop, like you want to get a boner. It's about reminding myself that like, it's all, it's all you, it's all inclusive. We don't have to hide anything under the bed. It's normal. Like I'm talking to child me and going, it's normal. I understand you want to look at breasts. It's normal to want sex. And like, Hiding it is where the cancer is, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think the- that's the weirdest thing is, and I've been thinking about that so much lately, is it just, if you if you repress stuff, it just is going to balance out. It's just going to, no of matter course. what, come out the other way. So that's right. That's what I wanted to ask you that. It's like, were you, at some point, were going to be like a youth minister or something like that? Is that what yeah, you... Yeah, that was the plan, yeah. Yeah. Up until college, yeah. So, but think about that a little bit. So now I feel like you get a ton of, uh, it's very cathartic or therapeutic for you to talk to to be honest and have the open house and open door stuff, right. right? So, but let's look at it in a parallel way, which I think is really interesting. Let's say you did go down that road. You would have, you'd have been Mr. Nice Guy. You'd have yeah. been youth pastor. What do you think would have happened? Do you think that would have put you in the classic role where you would have had to repress stuff and it would That's something actually question. really bad would have happened instead of, oh, you sleep with your girlfriend? Right, right, Which right. some people are alarmed that you do that, by the way. That's right. right. We live together. Yeah, <laughs> right. she, yeah. we live oh, here. So, but you know what I mean? Like, so that's what you do now. You, 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 uh, you sleep with your girlfriend. But I mean, right. had you been a youth minister and repressed that, do you think that would have been destructive for you to have to live that and be that model? Yeah, it's a really, I don't know the answer. I, I I certainly know the answer I would prefer is that this um, this uh, fervor in me for authenticity and uh, an authentic life and all that sort of stuff would have prevailed, that I yeah. would have tried to squeeze myself into that world and ultimately left it. Uh, you know, <laughs> I just read this great Alan Watts quote where he talks about eggshells and he's like, a chicken breaks out of an eggshell. He's not supposed to like have disdain for the eggshell. He doesn't hate the eggshell. But he was like, that's what religious ideas and teachings and thoughts and institutions are to be done compassionately and uh, constructively destroyed, like broken yep. out of. So anyway, when I say like, get out of that, I don't mean that that's a bad thing. But for me, that would have been a shell. So I, I'd like to think I would have gotten out of it. But there's yep. a big possibility I, I just would have, you know, I did marry but, the first girl I was with and I would have stayed with her and I would have been a youth pastor and, you know, just found a way. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how people do it, to be honest. I really don't. Rob and I spoke for, I'm sorry, we spoke for a bunch of youth pastors and and we were supposed to give them advice. It was weird because we were on tour together. And then when I got to advice, I was like, I don't, I really don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't. I don't envy your position. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I talk about (laughs) a lot is I think youth pastor is such a, it's a bizarre, like it it cultivates almost the the weirdest people. And I know that, Maybe oh, that's you. I don't sure. know, but it cultivates just the way, like cops are a certain way. Yeah, you know, uh, 
whatever even well Catholic, they don't trust each know. other yeah youth pastors if you're if you're if you're a, a young man traveling around and like staying you're a youth pastor and you're staying with others they won't let you stay with their family right. if you have children it's not because of the catholic we don't have the reputation the it's catholics because have <laughs> because it's like i know you're probably a fucking lunatic just like me you're gonna stay with my single so would you friend. rather have a barista watch your kids or a youth pastor would be the question <laughs> probably a barista, a barista right? <laughs> Definitely. Wouldn't you? i mean totally it's it just it's not a natural place. It's yeah. a, it's like a marriage, you know what I mean? And 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 it's uh, marriage is also somewhat unnatural, you know what I mean? In that, like, it's an idea. I, I'm kind of for marriage, but at the same time, they're in this thing and they're married to this job. Yep. And it's repressing them in ways that even like a a, a relationship marriage couldn't even come close yep. to a god that is marshalling your thoughts and and uh, and is it literally. The way that I used to think of God is he's mad at you if you look at a playboy. You know what I mean? Like, he's mad at you if you say motherfucker. He'd prefer it. That's such a strange anthropomorphic, right? Like... God, like God is a person thing. He's mad. He's, he, pref- he has preferences. It prefer you to do this or this. It's such an interesting thing. So you have this guy with this voice in his head that's constantly upset with him. Even if you think you're doing well, that's pride. You know what I mean? So that, that potentially there are some great pastors, obviously, but potentially you have a real recipe for somebody that might not be stable. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. Well, I think it's really the institutional uh, component of it that makes the, the repression more than the, the, the God of the idea. I agree. I remember finding, this is such a dick thing to do, we found a journal of a guy who was a, uh, studying, because a lot of people at my college, Gordon College, were studying to be youth pastors and stuff, and we found his journal. It's such a dick move that we read it. But he was an asshole, and we were reading it, and it said, "It said like I sinned again today," which we knew that it meant he jerked off. Right? Yeah. Listen, like which is more likely, like uh, to be a serial killer, a guy who writes in his journal, like, "Man, I'm jerking it a lot. I must be so fucking horny." Yeah. I just found these uh, Asian nympho websites. Man, I blasted <laughs> all day. My dick is chafed. That guy, or the guy who, in like. The glory of God is all around me in the woods, yet right. I sinned again today. Absolutely. Yeah. That guy's the crazy guy. Yeah. Like, that guy could be the crazy guy. I'm not trying to shit on a whole group. I'm saying that guy was more frightening to me than, say, Howard Stern, who's just like, for sure. You know? Yeah, for sure. Because if you don't put it, if it's not out in the open, then it's gonna, it's just going to squeeze out the other side one way or another. I think the same thing about, uh, this, this probably sounds bad, but I think the same thing for people that really have not, I'm not isolating group either, but anxiety and depression. I feel like those things mm. are very strongly connected to what you repress or what you have to put on to be. Or absolutely, you know, and, and the person always, and then eventually it comes out that they're like, "Well, right now I'm suffering from this physical problem in my brain. It's like a broken leg." And I understand that, yeah. but the leading up to that, I think, is a lot of times of. of you know, trying to please other people too much or have, a, you know, something on you. And then, then it will manifest eventually as depression or anxiety. I think, I think that's very natural to be depressed and anxious. This is crazy. This is more divisive than I've ever gotten about the church, I suppose. But just like in my experience, if you're going to believe the way that I was believing, so I'm just going to talk about myself. I can't speak to how other people have interpreted their faith, but this is how I, and this is the type of pastor I would have been is like uh, you would have, depression and anxiety are natural products of believing that everybody's going to hell uh, that doesn't believe what you believe. So right there, that's a like friend that's of mine. That's a recipe that's for depression. depression. Is, it's depression. Yeah. 
you're, you're like the Dalai Lama is going to hell. I don't know how to save him. You know yeah. I mean? Like I don't know how to get to him. Yeah. He's set in his ways. He won't listen to the truth. And then I really think the anxiety and I'm just making it cute and breaking it into two things. It's probably anxiety and depression for both is I don't believe that you believe. Like, I don't believe that you believe. I believe that like, you know, at the end of the day, there's a great line in Dusk Till Dawn where um, Harvey Keitel is like, any man of God at the end of the day looks in the mirror and says yeah. like, am I a fool? Like, yeah. do I really believe? I don't believe that most people say what they claim to believe. Some people definitely do. You know, who, I mean? who, who do you think believes? Who are those people? I don't know. You know, it's interesting. Let's talk. Let's talk about this guy. I, I don't have an answer, but I'm a vegan. But like people that are vegans that claim animal ethics, like sometimes I don't believe them either. You know, so yeah. I meet a, a lot of other vegans because I'm vegan. Mm-hmm. I go yeah. to vegan restaurants. You think they're just showing? I think they're doing what I do, which is I, is I'm like, I also don't believe sentient beings should be murdered. They feel fear and they feel pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then shouldn't I be like protesting a billion right. animals a day are being evangelized that, i should be going that. nuts yeah. similarly the, the guy like me again keeping it to myself that goes if you don't believe in christ if you don't say this magic prayer you go to the worst place ever and it never ends uh i don't i don't believe that i believe that you enjoy eating fruits and vegetables but i don't think you necessarily really in your bones care about animals i flipped metaphors right in the middle because because if you really believed it that your behavior would be yeah Sometimes I see those like uh, West, Bur- West, ba- West Westboro, Westboro, yeah, those nuts, or or any kind of people going out and and screaming at mobs, uh, certainly maybe potentially with less hate speech, but those people I'm kind of like I get I kind of think that might be, is that is this real is okay. th- maybe that guy really believes yeah. it like maybe he really believes the formula that we've reduced uh, the Bible into which is believe this or, or perish right. so he's like. What does this life matter at all? It's just about getting people to believe. I'm going to go door to door. I'm going to yell at uh, Oprah, lines of people waiting to go see Oprah, whatever it takes. And then there's people like me that grew up in like a white collar evangelical megachurch where we're just like, you know, every, every profession, you know, speaks the truth in its own way. God needs chiropractors mm-hmm. and he needs dentists and he needs, you know what I mean? Because I remember being a kid and being like, if what you're saying is true, why aren't we all pastors why aren't we all studying the scripture constantly why don't we all speak greek why don't we all speak aramaic you know what i'm saying like if it's as important as you say it you told yeah you told me that this is the thing why do why don't you know it why haven't you memorized the sermon on the mount i don't understand yeah because i don't think they really believe it i think deep down if you push them and in my experience you'll get down to i'm better with it than without it it helps me fit in. It help. It gives me a framework for something I can't quite articulate, and uh, you know, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure. So, do you think you became more honest with yourself? You think you never believed? You just wanted to. I'm. I'm sure I never believed fully. Yeah. When When did it start to unravel for you? My thing was hell. Yeah. It was. It was. It was hell. Uh, I believed. I believed. To go back to your question. Mm-hmm. But did you ever have like a spiritual experience or something? You're like, oh, this is real. Like that moment of something where you thought maybe God talked to you? Mm, no, I was one of those guys that would pray really, really hard to, to speak in tongues, you know? Yeah. I was like, please. It was sad. It's like a sad <laughs> scene in a movie where the kid just wants the sign so badly, you know? Yeah. But I, I never really had anything like that. But 
throughout all of it, including where I was and where I am, I've always felt what Rob calls the hum. You feel mm-hmm. some sort of ache, uh, some sort of idea and inkling that what we're perceiving isn't all there is to be perceived, you know? Right. So there's something behind something. So I believe that I believe that. So then I have this really inherent, like I just feel like I am a spiritual person. Like it's just in my brain, it's in my blood. Mm-hmm. You can't get away from it. I can't get away from it. Right. It's, it's part of who I am. Right. I love it. Some people love sports and I'm like, right. I love this. This is my shit. So right. I believe that I had a fervent desire to find God everywhere, always wanting it. And then I was presented with one of the options, one of the containers to hold it, and that was Christianity. And that certainly fit a lot of a lot of my gut, I suppose, it, it seemed right. All the grace, peace, patience, and kindness and stuff. It didn't hurt that everybody you knew had and the everybody same yeah. exactly. People that you trusted said, this is the way to go. And then on top of that, I wanted to be a capital G, capital B, good boy. Like, I right. wanted to yep. be a really good boy. And I believed things when grown-ups spoke to me. So I was going to be the good one. And I took it in, and I believed it. And then it really started to fall apart with hell. Like, that, that's the thing. I really feel like... For you or because people would be sent there? Oh, uh, f- because people would be saying, I didn't think I was going to hell. Right. I, but I, if you wanted to get me upset, like you just had to say the Tibetan monk falls into a crevasse sort of scenario or a child. And then, you know, right. I lost my faith ultimately because I got divorced. But I mean, what a cliche. Well, you l- s- slow down on that. You lost your faith because you got divorced? I got divorced. And then when I was kind of left unattended, because I had a mom wife. Yeah. So she kind of like... She's a Christian? She she was. We were both like shitty Christians, meaning we were kind people, but we didn't go to church mm. or really care too much about it's, stuff. Yeah, it's pretty normal. Actually, yeah, but, it's, I yeah. would call that a normal, normal Christian. Yeah. We were a normal Christian, Easter Christmas Christians. Right. And uh, people that... I didn't say Jesus Christ, and I didn't uh, say God damn it. Yeah, that, you right. know, Christians. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know... And on stage, I was very clean. I was a very clean comedian because it was all about being perceived as ethical and pious rather than necessarily truly being. Because I didn't didn't have any of the tools or practice to actually scrub my own temple floors. You know what I mean? I just just had surrender, basically, which which is fine. But uh, what was I saying? Oh, hell. And so I wasn't worried that I was going to hell. But if you pushed me about people going to hell, so then I lose my faith. Uh, because of my divorce, we can talk more about that. But then, but that, I don't understand. It was it theologically about hell or because of your divorce? Do they oh, hand in hand there? Once, okay. So the, it's like there was a fuse, and uh, then there was an ember of fire, and the ember of fire, ironically, was me not buying the rhetoric of hell. All right, and when I got divorced. The fuse and the fire were already there, but when I got divorced, it got pushed into the fire. You know what I'm saying? I was left, sure, sure, sure. I was left on my own for yep. the first time in my life. No lifeguards around me. And I, I really had the time and the isolation to figure out what it is I actually believe. Right. Why do all these monks and, and spiritual people and Jesus and Buddha go for solitude? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, what is it about being alone and having no one else telling you who you are, that helps you find out who you really now, now are. Now, why did did you turn to, did your friend circle become people like-minded like that? Like, you didn't turn to the church, like your divorce. Like some yeah. people get divorced and they go, oh, I got to get back right with God. My life's turned to shit. Yeah. You didn't go that way. It's funny. that I, I thought it was such a cliche that I lost my traditional faith when I got divorced. And my friend said it would have been more of a cliche if you went hard into the church, yeah. which is what uh, you're saying. Either yeah. way, yeah. But all my friends at that point were atheists. 
Yeah. Most of them still are. Um, so, I mean, Christians would say that's why you went that way. Oh, because they pulled me down? Yeah. You, you hang around those it's people. It's easier to pull enough. someone off a table than yeah. to pull someone up. If you hang out with the kids to... that drink, you end up drinking or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, well, it really was a, it was a lonely time. I didn't really have too much counsel. It was, it was mostly mm. me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't have... I had one like regular Christian, yeah. you know, bubblegum Christian friend, but we were, we lived in New York. I mean, yeah. like there and was, you were hurting during this time, right? Much, I yeah. mean, it was just like a dark, yeah, it was dark, really right? dark, really dark. I, I like to point out, I would lose my erection while masturbating. I really think that's the quickest way to describe <laughs> the depression that follows a divorce. Like you're, it's your one thing. You're like, right. at least I have this and, and you yeah. lose it. Cause your body was literally like depressed. Oh. Like the blood was pumping, not just to my dick, but slower. Everything was just depressed. So really, really sad. And, I didn't intend on losing my faith, but it, it kind of happened. Sure. Because I was left to kind of take an inventory and go, oh, I was the golden boy. And yeah. I did everything that God, my perception of God, asked me to do. I was a clean comedian, and I went to church. I know I you know, stopped kind of going to church when I got to New York. But I, and I did, didn't say, God damn it. I didn't say Jesus Christ. And uh, I only slept with one person and I married her. That, that was a big thing with me and God. I was yeah. like, I, you yeah. told me not to have sex until I got married. Yeah. I had sex with her. I really didn't want to, <laughs> but she wanted to take that society. Yeah. So she yeah. talked me into it. But as soon as she, the first time she went down on me, I call it our engagement blowjob because I knew we were going to get married. I didn't even enjoy it. There was no hands behind the head like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. It was just, I'm, I'm oh, thinking, we're locked in now. I'm yeah. going to marry this woman. Because I wasn't going to be an everything but Christian. I was like, I was a pretty good Christian. Yeah, it was way, way better than us. You know so. what I mean? Oh, I don't mean to put you down, but like I was no. trying. <laughs> I had yeah. the, the drive. I was like, I'm not going to titty fuck people and, yeah. and or anal sex. I knew people that did the, the yeah. everything yeah, but definitely. loophole. Uh, and I was just kind of like, that seems like horseshit. I feel like everything seems like horseshit. So I'm trying, I'm trying. It's, I think it's an earnest story. I was really trying to find this God, you know yeah. what I mean? In the ways that people had told me I could find him. So then I get married, and, and that was a big thing, obviously. It's, it's like it was more impactful than my baptism. I, I got baptized when I was 18, like rebaptized. And I was like, I'm pledging my life to God. But what more? I'm literally, legally pledging myself to the first girl that I ever slept with sure. for God, for his plan, for me. And then when that went to shit, even though I was a good husband, people are always like, oh, you must have been touring a lot. I'm like, dude, I wasn't working. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't going out on the road. I'd leave, I'd leave for like an hour and a half at night some, some nights. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. like the rest of the time I was there with her constant, I was a good, she would tell you I was a good husband. It wasn't that. It was just, uh, she, we, we weren't really, she wasn't in love with me. And, you know, we can get into, that's another subject. So then I felt like God had, Kind of, yeah. I wasn't really, I don't know, I don't remember being mad at God, but I remember being like, what the fuck? Like, I did everything right, and here I am, losing my erection while masturbating in the dark of this weird apartment that I'm in alone. I had never been yeah. alone. It was really weird. So, then it goes, and then the things that, that were always brewing in me, like, you never believed yeah. that the Tibetan monk in the crevasse goes to hell. And I was like, and I had the freedom to go like, of course not. You know, I'd start slow. I'd go, the heavens proclaim the glory of the Lord. He knew. 
he knew God in a different way. So you start getting more liberal. Right. right. You know what I mean? Then you start slipping out a few goddamns and you find that it fills a gap in your vocabulary. <laughs> it's different from fuck. It's yeah. different from motherfucker. It's like, yep. God damn it. It's great. Yeah. I just loved saying it just then. So then you do what a lot of new ex Christian <laughs> black do. Comedy say, God damn it. It's my favorite thing in the whole world. I, I don't, really isn't it good? Say, I don't really say it, but like when I hear, you know, somebody go, God, Damn, yeah. I, like just, I struggle so bad because I want to use it so, so much, and I don't. But I but want to use it. Do it? Nah, not, Sometimes, oh, I don't want to right. corrupt. And if I do, I use G O T. God damn, that's so funny. I, know, I mean, the, what you're saying, all this stuff is really interesting to me because, first of all, I've really been intrigued lately by the lens that we see God is inescapable from everybody that you know, especially those formative years, like your parents, like their view of God will always be in you. And like, you might not believe the same way anymore, Yeah. but there's probably a time when you look at porn and you're like, ah, oh, this might be a little shitty. I might be not the best. Or maybe I should, you know, whatever fundamentalist Christians say, don't live with your girlfriend. Don't drink too much. All these rules and stuff like that, that will always be there. And it'll go to God. You won't think of your parents said, don't no, right. you go, nah, God said to do this. And so that's always going to be there. And I just, I think that is where, Christianity fails people so much is because everything you're saying is pretty normal. Like you can't live, you can't attain that. You can't, that's an un, it's unsustainable to go, well, man, I only slept with one girl. I only do this, 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 and this. I remember like I grew up extremely, we were from the South, um, South Carolina. Did you Carolina. pick that up? Yeah, yeah I, did. I don't okay. know if you got that or not, but I grew up in a very charismatic legalistic church. Like women didn't wear makeup. No, my parents didn't have wedding rings, anything like that. And I just, uh, Wait, they oh because of jewelry? Yeah, yeah. Like biblically, they said that you know women weren't supposed to wear jewelry. They you know don't go see movies. My parents would sneak forty five minutes across Greenville, South Carolina, to go see a movie. Like, oh, I mean, so they that, wouldn't get was, seen. Yeah, it was that. But it, I mean, that's you saying, goddamn. By right, the way, right, yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I remember being like twelve years old in my room, saying, "God, please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me." Oh my god, oh my god, please forgive me, please forgive me, because I found porn or something weird, and I or I was mean to my brother or something, and I thought I have to earn this. Like you said, I have to earn it. I have to earn it. God hates me. He hates me right now. He hates this. He hates over and over and over until the point where I was like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to hell. But, okay. Mm can't do it i'll go to hell then i'll just will go so, to but hell your that's path's way different than pete's in that sense because pete maintained that all the way through right he kept it end. up and i couldn't but so it's in a in way school, i hear but... that is really weird because i hear you because i mean you starting in high school and for the <laughs> college and our last 15 years everything we've done we the only thing we can do to maintain our what you would consider if you knew everything we believe to be very conservative yeah um the only thing we can do to maintain it is is to is to not do it in a dualistic kind of way and just we're going to be we're going to do everything that we we have to try to like be the way that we really are or else it's not it's not going to be sustainable like mm. to try to do what you were described i never had a shot at that mm. and so it's like for us i mean the most terrifying thing is most of what you say sounds exactly right to me <laughs> yeah and and then so when you take people like uh dave bazan who's somebody that we've had on the show and, yeah. and know and, and been involved with and um rob bell science mike if you take that spectrum up to, to where you are uh most people think we're already gone most people the conservative people and a lot of people in the show think we already are on the wrong path and in a yeah, bad we're spot up. and I'm, i mean we're certainly deconstructing that is definitely what's happening with us and it's scary because i don't know if this am i stable here is this sustainable well i'll end up where 
Science Mike is? Do I end up where Rob Bell is? Do I wind up where Pete Holmes is? Mm. Or is this just, am I like Dave Bazan? Because he seems way smarter than most of pastors I listen to. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So where where will this end for us? And I can't tell you. It's, it's terrifying. Like you, you care more about the search for truth in God than, than my Christian every Christian friends. we know, yeah. <laughs> but I'm in there. I'm, I'm with them. And so that, that, that stuff seems... It seems like shaky ground, but at the same time, I can't. I can't escape that. That, that, like going back to my earlier point, though, I do think like it's just it's such a weird thing that we get so hard on, like jerking off or looking at pornography. If somebody would have said, "Hey, man, you just lost your wife, and what you're doing right now is normal," it might not even be healthy for you. Mm. Now, you know what I mean? Like if somebody, if you could have said to a Christian group of friends, "Hey, yeah, I can't even get a boner right now," and them not feel awkward or uncomfortable, and be like, "Yeah, it's." That's normal, man. Like people are so scared of sin, like it's not normal that then they just push it away, push it away because you have to stay away from it. I'll do it in private. You see, but, okay. So Ramdas would say that the pushing away of it is another way that it gets you, right? Oh, so totally. we're talking about yeah. these these methods of of being free or liberated or saved or whatever, and it, and you know he talks about the the horny celibate phase where you, you the renouncing, renouncing, yeah. Talk, swearing things off. Yeah, renunciation, renouncing. Yeah. So it's the idea, he, he's like, you also have to renounce renouncing. Yeah. That's the word. And you, you you just have to be in the world, but not of the world. And and that sort of idea yeah. of like, I'm in it, but I'm not identifying with it. This sounds like a pass to do whatever you want. I understand that's what people might interpret that as. But if you are pushing away, Oscar Wilde has this great quote where he says, the only way to get rid of temptation is to yield to it. And I think that was read traditionally as like just a call to decadence, like have, sure, have yeah. another drink and finger a girl who cares. But I really think there's something spiritually profound about that, which is when we spend all this time beating ourselves up for what we do, when I was really beating myself up about pornography and jerking off, I, I had a whiteboard in my living room that had little notches on it, like those prison marks, like sure. one, two, three, four, and then you cross off. Uh, counting the days I hadn't done it. I did that too. <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I'm tempted to Seriously, call you brother. Yeah. I've been there, you know what I mean? Right. And then it becomes this drug. It becomes this thing that I am. It's not images of naked people that arouse me, that make me masturbate more no. pleasurably. It's a thing. It's pornography, and it's a pornography addiction. And the whole thing, the the resisting, the bargaining with God, the pleading, the the indulging, the climaxing, the shame, the cleanup, the deleting, the history. It's like a it's a speedball, right? That the, the coke gets you up. That's the looking at the porn, and then the down is the heroin, and that's when you're praying to yeah. God for forgiveness. And then you at the end when you've prayed hard enough and and cried enough and clenched your fists enough, you believe that He probably forgives me now. Then you get another nice little buzz out of that. Are you suggesting that you like the whole cycle? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And so you you think but, that porn addiction supposedly is this bullshit? In- Anyway, oh, I, I I believe it's actually probably real, but I think the reason you're getting addicted to it is because of the whole process. But yeah. when you can step outside of it and look at it for what it is, here's the thing. So I yielded to it, and I go, pornography is something that I sometimes do. I sometimes look at pornography. Yeah. I do it so much less. It's so much less compelling. When you see it for what it is, images of naked people, it's not you 
turning yeah, your back yeah. on the infinite universe, the divine source like of all being. Like that's very selfish, like a self-indulgent as far as the value of it's the... It's dramatic. The self-important. It's very dramatic yeah. and it's very... Uh, <laughs> identifying i am a pornography user i'm a pornographer i'm committing adultery in my heart it's this whole big production and then that that would keep the hook in me i would keep doing yeah. it and now that i'm got playboys on my desk when's the last time i opened one it's not about i don't try to not open it either you yeah, know right. what i'm saying i just don't i love myself anyway and i accept myself as as what i am and and that doesn't mean that i'm not trying to improve but i certainly don't beat myself like equus there's there's no need for that that i i something that's fundamental for me is i believe that i'm, I'm working on this thing and it's like the three steps to reclaiming Christ, christianity or, or any tr religious tradition specifically christianity is one uh, to involve uh, invite metaphor and myth into your interpretation two is to um get rid of ethics stop this westernization of this eastern religion we've just turned it into ethics we've yeah. turned it into don't go to the truck stop porn store and instead go to mcdonald's or whatever the fuck it is you do and that's good you're winning and jesus <laughs> likes you mm -hmm. the the story isn't about afterlife insurance it's not right. it's not it's not it's not it's not it's not you are a part of god jesus realized I and the Father are one. He, and he starts teaching people this, that you are a piece of the divine and you are the piece of the divine. So you, so, so you divide there with the people. When, when you say when Jesus said that I and the Father are one, that was modeling for everybody saying... That's that, right. That, as opposed to him claiming something. What in, is the point of a story of a guy who comes and says, hey, I just realized I'm God celebrate me for 2,000 years, and when you die, you can join me at the after party. That's not a very good story to me. It's, and I don't, it's not the story that I read when I read it. I read a guy showing people how to wake up out of these intellectual prisons, out of your ego, out of your greed, yeah. out of your wrath, out of your rage and your lust, and waking up to love. And realizing, and this is a big thing, and I've said it many times, but I can't say it enough, there's nothing you can do or not do that will increase or decrease the, the love God has for you, the, your, connect, right. your totally. connection to that love. But there are things you can do that will increase or decrease your awareness of that love. That's what it is. And when you refer to God, you mean um, like a... Is it like a, um, a metaphor for the stuff, anything? Something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, that's right. You almost got it. I had to memorize yeah, so, it. God is a metaphor for a mystery that transcends all categories of human thought, including being and non-being, which is Joseph. So Campbell. you're saying anything that we think of, like in in a sense, there's no way to discuss or talk about or deal with what Except could actually metaphor. be God. So metaphor is the only vehicle by which it myth could. and metaphor are the only helicopters giving tours of God Island. That's yeah. something I like to think. Okay. It's as close as you can get. And it's wonderful. It's rapturous. It can heal you. It can move you. It can help you transcend. And that's, we just will never land on the Island. That's the whole point. That's what, that's what makes the mystery so amazing. People are always trying to yank God into our reality and go, here's my pert plus, here are my car keys, and there's Jesus. I got it. We right. got it. Here right. it is. 
I know it and it's done. But when you, when you start looking at God as a metaphor for a mystery that transcends all categories mm. of human thought, you can't even start to think about it properly necessarily. That doesn't mean to give up, but you'll never get it. Richard Rohr says, mystery is not that which is unknowable, but that which is infinitely knowable, which means you can always keep going. It's not a box that you check. You don't go like, I believe in God. It's this God. He, I, he loves me. I'm going to heaven. Done. Let's go golfing. It's everything. It's what does golfing have to tell me about the quality of existence, of reality, of love, of loss, of the moment? of eternity. It's always never done, never, never, never done. How can you be done with infinite, the mm. infinite? How, but so many people are done. And so many people are not only done with their view of God, but they're judging other people's views of God, of, a, of the mystery. Well, how do you make that not you or God? Like, when it, like for example, the only reason I'm still a Christian, I would say, is that I really do believe that there's stuff inside of me that I can't, I need help with. Like, I do think that there's something that always gets me like as crazy as that sounds. And it sounds like I'm, I'm a terrible person. So I don't even think I'm really that bad of a person might be even a good person or whatever. But like when I hear that, it sounds like myself, my growth, me, you know, transcending what I am right now and exploring more about me and this reality and all this stuff. And so that always just seems crazy because like, like, for example, you could say, hey, Pete couldn't – the thing that got him that where he couldn't accept God anymore is because he found out he wanted to know the knowledge of divorce or something. Like, when I think about Adam and Eve, I don't think about the apple or anything. What I think is God said, you cannot handle this. Don't you – trust me. You want to know what sex is like, you'll turn that to rape. You want to know what – uh, you know, money or, or give, uh, you know, power or whatever it is, you'll turn it into just destroying this nation or doing all this stuff. So all the things that get, like, I just see it whenever I see anytime, like, you know, ton, there's tons of people I know that are atheists and listen to atheist podcast stuff. But whenever anybody talks about evil is nobody's ever proven to me, God did something. Now they'll say a human said, you know, God calls this or whatever. But whenever I see something I would call evil is inhumanity. So how do you escape that with like, Right now, it sounds so awesome what you're saying. Like, there's beauty and there's love and there's just all. And honestly, I think you should have been a pastor. You know, so many quotes. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, like, how do you, how do you get, how do you reconcile that? Of, I mean, you might. I mean, of course, maybe you're okay now with something, but there's some stuff that gets you and makes you not all right. Don't, don't you think? Or you, you think you're okay? Is I think that, you're okay. Good? Better than I'm okay. You're okay. I don't even necessarily see a separation it starts with you know your separation from me and and from him and from god and and thinking of uh you know the good thing and the bad thing that that's what you were saying it, it's yep. it's dualistic and and it's very appealing our brains are very dualistic and they go uh that's good and that's bad and this person cut me off and that person let me in that person's good this person's bad right but everybody's everything i'm everything everybody's everything the mystics are the ones that give space to their they they see the bad feeling and instead of clinging to it and beating themselves up and and or even succumbing to it yeah. they give it space you see the membrane around that impulse expand and you don't associate with it and you let it go these this is where you get these like holy men in the mountains they're not up there punching each other in the dicks right. you know what i mean <laughs> but you know the idea that god is behind uh the good stuff and the devil is behind the bad stuff 
and that you need help with the bad stuff. What are we here for if not everything? What the fuck is going on? It's not a utopia if everybody believes everything and nothing ever goes wrong. I'm sitting here telling you about my divorce and how it woke me up and how it helped me transcend. We hear this story endless times. I'm, I'm really in the realm of cliche right now. But everything has something to teach you about the nature of reality. You're in school. Try taking the curriculum. That's another Ramdas thing. Take the curriculum. Don't just go like, I'll take the candy and the bubblegum classes and I'm going to learn how to say God damn it instead of God damn it. Motherfucker, Mark ends with Jesus dying and he doesn't come back because that's sometimes the story. Yeah. You understand? We've just, we've reduced it. We've turned it into, and, and yes, this is the hardest stuff. I can't begin to tell you exactly why bad things happen. But if you could see all of the world as one color, all of goodness and light and, and forgiveness and grace as this beautiful swirling pink waterfall, right? And you're looking, then that's everything. It only makes sense if you like have this contrasting color. We, can, we only know heat because we know cold, you know what I mean? So these things wake us up and we're here to figure it out. We're here to learn. We're here to grow and expand. And you only come to know God through pain and loss. It's not shine, Jesus, shine that's going to get you there. It's heartbreak and it's loss and it's death and it's disease. Motherfuckers with cancer that are dying today are waking up. It's all grist for the mill of waking up. What are you going to do? Be nice. You're still going to die. You're still going to die. You can't do it. I have my girlfriend. She could, she could be dying right now. You're never safe. It doesn't matter how many swears you don't say oh. <laughs> or how much praying sure. you do. We are in a thing that, for colorful language, I'll say is fucked, but it's not. That is the teaching of the mystic, is to see it all as one thing. Mm-hmm. It's not God and the devil. It's this thing that we're all, we're all in this snow globe of reality. And it's whatever it takes. God wants you here. Jesus tells the parable about leaving the one ninety-nine sheep to get the one. What's it going to take? Do you need to believe the Bible literally, like you guys might be dabbling in? <laughs> Go ahead. Do you need to look at it mythically, like I enjoy? Fine. Right. Motherfucker, get over here. I want you free now. Sure. And if you're not paying attention... I'm going to slap, I'm, you're going to get divorced. Your wife is going to fuck a small Italian man named Rocco because I'm tired of your bubblegum bullshit faith. Right. And I want you in the truth. I'm not talking about smiling at people in a church parking lot. I'm talking about liberation. The shit that you, you know it when you hear it. Tingles go up your spine. You feel it. You don't need a pastor to teach this to you. You feel it. You can see it everywhere. Like I was saying with golf, you can see it in sex. You can see it in feeling guilty about looking at pornography. What are you, what are you after? It's all, this is Ramdas. it's all grist for the mill. You say, I will eat it all. The other thing I like to say about evil is like, when I play Grand Theft Auto, I don't go like, this is evil and this is good. I just look at the world as one big thing. Right. <laughs> because I'm outside of it. I feel like that's a little smidge of, of, uh, I don't want to call it God consciousness, but it's that sort of perspective where you're just like, this is the world. Of course, there needs to, a helicopter needs to explode. This is the game. Sure. It's the game. This is the dance. He needs to get through the levels. How in the world did you 
to, to have as many profound thoughts and well-executed uh, <laughs> things as this and metaphors that you've made up, how in the hell did you last so long? What do you mean? As a Christian. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand what you were possibly doing when you were 19. If you have that brain and that ability to come up with that many things and say all this, and yeah, how, what, what were you just, had it on shut off? Uh, I don't think, you know, man, it's, it's just, this is the way that I like to engage with it. And again, I'm just, I, maybe I should just stop saying that I'm quoting Ram Dass because he's taught me so much, but this is Ram Dass. He says, just because someone's in fourth grade, and it's too bad that these are linear because it's not really about better or worse or forward or backward. It's just, I'm in fourth grade and I used to be in third grade. And there's a great amount of peace in going, some people are in third grade and third grade's fine. I'm, I'm quoting him yeah. verbatim right here. It's not better or worse. It's not, you believe it literally and I think you're stupid because there's so many other Messiah stories that have the same elements. God love being that thing awareness wants you to be free and even saying wants is kind of kind of a strange thing but i'm part of that being and i want to be free so i'll say that i want to be free and it feels good to be free and and when i am free i am love and i and and the good things in life come out better so i i believe that there are enlightened uh Christians that that find I, I've I've known some of them. The company that I keep now tend to be people that I, I actually need to watch it because sometimes I hang out with people that I don't know that well and I'll start speaking in this way and it's yeah. offensive. Sure. It's offensive. I would have been offended if you implied that the Jesus story was a myth because myth just meant a word that means not true. You know, that's right. how we use that. So I would have been offended by that and I need to remember that people are offended by that. And you know, but it's crazy how many people follow you are just they're just in some place where they're you know you there's a lot of people who are actively uh, probably even evangelical Christians that are fa- big fans of yours, right? And I think they yeah, love hearing I, where where you're at. I mean, that, and I really like that. If if I can be the thing for them that that says the things that they enjoy hearing someone else say, but don't necessarily want to say. <laughs> Then that's great, and it means a lot to me to have um, Christian fans because that's a beautiful thing. Like when I went on tour with Rob, do you, it, would you say? Do, would you want? Would you be happy to hear those people deconverting? Even, would but that, I mean, would like, you count that as like, oh, progress here. <laughs> I would be happy to see people uh, open themselves up to continually to continue their growth. Mm-hmm. Um. Because that's exciting. It's to me that's where the juice is. It's hitting pause. Or, you know, I'm writing this thing and I have all these analogies for it. But like hitting, printing out your God document, hitting Command P. I don't think you should ever really do that. I think it's supposed to be a river, and perfection is always perfecting itself and changing and growing. And that's one of the qualities of perfection. I mean, we know this. Like we don't want it to be done. I just want people to stop suffering. You know that that's something I'd like to see. If 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 I can, if you want to believe in a, you know, physical uh, death and resurrection, sinless life, physical birth, virgin birth, all that sort of stuff. If that gets you there, that's great. I just I just want people to get there, to that to that place, and uh, that wasn't working for me. And as you're saying, I, I don't. How did you make it so long as a Christian? 
it, 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 that worked for me for a time. I was in third grade for a time, and I liked third grade. And, and then I went, let's, let's digress. And then I went to second grade, and I like second grade better. I actually like the idea that I'm degressing rather yeah. than getting deeper into some sort of dogma. But there is a lot of pain in Christianity. I see a lot of people, pastors, and I, you know, I have a big heart for these people that need to preach certain things that I know that they've stopped believing because, because of their study or their experience, they're not allowed to evolve. And, that, and then there's the believers. That kid right. that I made fun of earlier, I sinned again today. I am that kid. Yeah. I was that kid. That's pain. That's suffering. It's, a, it's, a, it's brutal to, to have God be this vice that you're in, that is just squeezing you. And, and it's very Jonathan Edwards, you know, yep. like it's very scary and uh, he can, God can feel like a bully and something that you're supposed to be afraid of and, and plead to. And, uh, and I'm all for having respect for the divine, but like, I, I would like to see some people not deconvert, yeah. but maybe love themselves a little bit more. I really think that's, that's the thing. If you can say, this is another, like, I'm a vegan. I got drunk with TJ uh, Miller like a month or so ago, and we ate like pork sliders and quesadillas, and it was great. I was drunk, I was high. It was great. And then in the morning, right around 4 a.m., where you have to pee because you're drunk and you pee and mm. you're kind of sobering up, all that regret starts coming in, and that, that voice goes, like, You're a fraud. You're not a vegan. You ate cheese. And like, that's, it's not a, big deal to me but it's also not a small deal to me like you're trying not to eat that shit and you just ate all that shit and like you're full of shit and and like i had to keep saying to myself over and over i was like i love you peter i love you i love you i love you and we say that but it means i'm saying i'm saying yes to you i'm giving you space isn't it beautiful when someone says yes to you that's what love is that's what when your girlfriend says yes to you they see how you are and they say yes to you we know what love is and you can do that to yourself yeah I don't have it all figured out. Sometimes I, I, I mess up. I might even be saying things here that maybe in a couple years sure. I won't believe. Maybe I'll, yeah. I'll be able I think you'd have to say that. Yeah. Given if, if you didn't say yeah. that, I think I'll be messed yeah. up. Yeah. yeah Who knows fun. where we're going? I will say, yeah, I think I'm right now. Yep. Right. <laughs> right. But I've always thought I was right. Yeah, you know? of course. That's and you, what and you will do. in the future. Yeah, same. I th- that's what I'm saying. I think if you don't change, if you, what you think right, is right now if that is locked in now and you're still saying the exact same thing yeah i said that's in 20 years i'd say that's a bad thing yeah it would be nice for it to continue to evolve yeah, I, it should I, be changing what you think is right it really should i believe because it's infinitely knowable yeah it's infinitely knowable like it, it's gonna keep progressing and i hope i hope it keeps progressing but you know do i sometimes wish more people thought like me i would, I would enjoy talking to them more. sure and I, I like I see pain in you. I see pain talking about needing help and stuff. I, I would say that the thing well, that's oh no, I, I I don't think I have pain. What I see is uh, here's what I believe: the human condition is always ends up no matter what going for self. Like my like I will choose self almost whatever that is selfishness or pleasure or whatever, um, which isn't always bad. That sounds like I'm saying oh I'm terrible. That I know yeah. I know that one of the biggest knocks on Christians is here we go man I'm so terrible and awful and i need this savior that's perfect and good and all that stuff what i guess what i'm saying about christianity that appeals to me and i mean i'm, I'm the same way like that quote that you said or i don't know any of the names that you're saying all the quotes oh you should read <laughs> like, these Man, guys this, this dude's awesomely smart but uh <laughs> i uh for me i don't i don't have pain in a sense of oh man i feel uh bad about who i am or whatever i actually feel very normal 
like the things that I do, whatever, even if you want to call that sin, like looking at pornography, or if you want to say that's being mean to my kids or my yep. wife or Matt or you right now, whatever, all these things are just stuff that happens and is normal. So that that's, that's where I go, where Christianity gets off track. We, we don't allow for sin or things that don't feel good to be normal, right? They are wrong and you don't do them. And if you do, if you do them, hide them or whatever. And then, you know, or, or you know, then, Months later, you can talk about it, but not in the present. And we're all about talking about it in the present. And I just don't think, I guess for me, I really feel like if there's a God, I need him. Like he, he is interacting with me in a way that is letting me see that next dimension. It, it is letting me see outside of these two eyeballs and the things that I, I'll, I'll tend to do. Uh, you know, the, the things that would, even a small thing that might be selfish, like, um, you know, whatever it might be, take the long way home so I don't have to be home as quick with with my kids or something because I just had a, a long day and I just wanted it to be about me right now. And sometimes those things are even good. You need that to decompress and all that stuff. I, I, don't get me wrong. I don't think that I'm the terrible person that needs that amazing Savior. What I do think is if if we're talking about knowledge and it's infinite and infinitely knowable, then we know probably less than point zero 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 billion. One percent. Mm-hmm. So anybody that's telling me something about God, whether it be a pastor, whether it be whoever, I don't really believe it, and I need God to interact with me to go, "Hey, now this is what it should be." Hey, oh, hold on. listen, you, you're just a little bit off here. I do love you. you. If you just did this, then the way you were created, you'd be fulfilled. Like I created you this way, and if you if you if you see this, then you'll know even more, and you'll see it. You'll see the good. You'll see the beauty. You'll you'll not want to do something selfish or something like that yeah i hear that i you know there's our lower selves and our higher selves for sure and again sin is just one of those words that i i can't i can't stand but i've tried to redefine it as um you do need god and we are aching to be with i like to say the beloved you're aching to be back with the with your source merging with that sort of infinity kind of feeling not even feeling, but just that awareness. Uh, and sin is just, if that's a river and it's flowing, you're here and there's God and there's a river between you. I just think sin are the things in between, like little rocks in the stream, and they're just disrupting the flow just a little, a little bit. It's not, you know, diarrhea in your river. It's just these things that are kind of blocking the flow from being as smooth as it could be. Yeah. So if we're removing sin in this very active way, we're not doing it because God would prefer us to do it. We're doing it because we're aching to be with God. That that seems more beautiful to me, and that's more empowering to me. Yeah. Waiting to be helped by God is different from uh, actively trying to merge with God, have that energy passing through you. And instead of thinking like, if I abstain from these things, it, it goes back to my point earlier. It's like, if I look at pornography less, it's not because God's happy or sad, it's because making love is more beautiful with my girlfriend. And that makes sense to me. That is a more divine experience than just being alone with the iPad with my socks on going, what if I was at an orgy? You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I think it's pretty clear to me that the the, the divide, in some sense, is that I, I think I, it's healthy and not wrong to identify our nature as being it, can, it is flawed. I think I think it's okay from any point of view, Christian or not, to see hum, humans to to be flawed. Now, how do you treat that flaw and what do you do with it? it right. Is different. I would say that that's 
that's the overcoming of your ego. I don't believe mm-hmm. in the devil. I believe in sure. the ego. And I believe that the ego is the liar and the thief who's robbing you of the moment and who's telling you that with every quesadilla you eat, I'm further from what I'm supposed to be. Right. When God is the voice reminding you, see, we're all operating in time here. We're like, if only I could stop doing this, but we're not in, in the moment. And in the mo- I know everybody talks about the moment, but if you could just look at yourself in this moment and stop looking to other people to define who you are, or other institutions to define who you are, or even your own thoughts to define who you are, if you can just be right here and ask yourself what is lacking, what right now is lacking, you'll see that nothing is lacking. This everything is perfect right now. So we're operating from that place, and then the mind slips in and goes like, yeah, but you were mean to your kids. No, that was then. What about right now. I'm not saying that we can't learn from being mean to our kids and maybe perhaps stop being mean to your kids. Yeah. But like it, it's about merging into that's what I think is the kingdom of of God within is, is that present place of love and acceptance and and you get there from one of the things I think that helps you get there is to stop beating yourself up so much. I don't think anything is gained. Well, Pete, that certainly is some fruity Hollywood bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <got that>. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, we appreciate talking to you about this. Thank you for... Uh, my pleasure. Thank you very much, All right. Matt. We didn't even Thank get you. to play my game. You want to play your game? Would, would you like to play a game yeah, we could, you, I made? Let's do a... Sure. Let's do it. All right. So this game is called Name That Center. Okay. All right. And so basically, I'll give you the clue this this week is these are like famous Christians or whatever, right? So like they've been on TV or whatever. Fair enough. Let's All do right. it. You ready? All right. So let me read the whole question and then see and if you have, can guess he, who it he's is. He's going to read them and we have to, to see if we can oh, okay. name who, who this person is. Multiple right. choice? Uh, not oh, really. Not but I just have to know mega pastors? Well, well just, it might we'll not see. be. We'll oh, see right, who whatever knows. it is. Okay. All right. I grew up in Louisiana in the 30s. My cousin became a famous rock and roll piano player, but I was called to do the Lord's work. I eventually worked my way onto television and became one of the most famous pastors in the world. There was only one small hang-up. I love prostitutes. I love having sex with <laughs> prostitutes. I got caught, cried, and I said I was sorry, but I was just fooling. A few years later, I got caught again, uh, but this time I told everyone to stay out of my business because I love prostitutes. <laughs> Matt or Pete? Anybody is that ever? Jimmy Swagger? That's Jimmy Swagger. Oh, you know I that wouldn't is? have gotten that. No. <laughs> All right, let's see if you know this one. Then I grew up in the. Oh, sorry. I grew up in the fifties after hearing Bill Bright teach and read and reading C.S. Lewis, and I became a Christian. One day, while doing the Lord's work, I was called to Colorado Springs, Colorado, to start a new ministry. We did many amazing things and were able to take strong stances against the drug dealers in our city and the users and the homosexual agenda. There was only one small hangup. I love male prostitutes and doing crystal meth. <laughs> a damn male prostitute started running his mouth, and eventually I was asked to quit preaching and quit the church and move out of state, all because I love male prostitutes and crystal meth. Anyway, I'm a pastor again. Is that Ted? Ted Haggard. Ted yes, Haggard. Yeah. Yeah. All right, it's one to one. All right, so we have All right this, one? Is the, this is the tiebreaker here. This is the last Ted. one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you call it. You know, first name. That's my favorite Ted talk. <laughs> I love paying for dick. <laughs> Honestly, there was such a long time where I didn't know how to efficiently pay for dick. And then <laughs> here's three ways to do it faster one, smoke meth. Two, lie about it. Three, do it. The original Ted three talk. Three is do it. <laughs> three, just do it. <laughs> All right, this is the last one. 
Uh, I grew up in a family that loves the Lord and taught me the importance of Christ and doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. God gave me a voice that could proclaim the gospel and a broad set of communication skills that could bring people to laughter or tears. I felt the call to join the ministry pretty early on in my life, and knowing that Jesus redeemed me and saved me, I knew I'd do great things. But there was one problem. I truly wanted to sell my soul for fame and turn my back on Jesus Christ, even though he did everything for me, so I could start on a TV show and eventually be on You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes. Wait, is that me? <laughs> It's either me or Rob. Yeah. <laughs> the answer's Rob Bell. Rob actually. Bell. Oh, that was multiple choice. Multiple yeah. choice. Two, two acceptable answers, Pete Holmes or Rob Bell. So Pete Holmes wins that game. Yeah. All right, awesome. Thank you for joining us, Pete. We appreciate it. Thank you, that. guys. I appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. Man. What a great interview. I loved it. This was really entertaining the whole time. Um, so real, so I mean, honest. Some of those uncomfortable moments yeah. when we got in a big fight was crazy. I cried um, a little bit. Yeah, that was, yeah, very yeah. intense Joey, interview. Joey, you know, you, you you weren't there, but what did you think of the yeah, interview? When you, when, when you, you heard like it, it, how did you feel about that interview? Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to answer because just two minutes ago, we were wrapping up the, the end part of the podcast. We haven't even interviewed. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, wait, wait. oh I forgot. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're sorry. Like, <laughs> like, like literally, <laughs> you guys are lying right now because the interview hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> sorry. Yes, you're right. But, hey, I'm glad, I'm glad you laugh and cry. We have not interviewed people. We are still at the generator shop, actually. It's still, still it's here. Still, uh, August 3rd, and we're at the generator shop, to tell you the truth. So, yes, you're, you're right, Joey. Sorry about that. We couldn't, can't fool you. Oh, you are too good, my friend. You are too good. That's smart, man. man. Well, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Hey, I, hey I, I feel like I'm our listener's advocate. I mean, I've got to protect our listeners from y'all shenanigans. And it's like me and the, li- it's me and the listeners against Matt and Toad. And Speaking of listeners, how about give us a list of some of those BC clubbers, man? You got, you got a good list of names there for us? I'd yeah, love to hear sure some, do, man. And here's why we, uh, but the main reason we give the list of these names because these people support us. They love what we're doing. They are, they are really uh, just helping us figure out what this bad Christian thing is. And we want you to hear their names because if you, you don't hear your name read, you should feel ashamed of yourself. Yeah. You should feel miserable. You should go online right now. Go to badchristian.com and become a BC clubber and help this podcast to become even more and I'm not going to tell you what until you become a BC club um, yeah, basically we want to increase shame and shame culture up to those I love it that is probably the best way forward <laughs> it like works we asked nicely now we want to make more people deal with shame for not yeah. joining the BC club we're right. going to take that approach that, I think it's just going to blow up yep. <laughs> hey hey, did, did y'all not Matt I think you know this Toby did you know there's already like two um, I, I guess you could say official but unofficial in the sense that there's no real oversight or connection between us and these groups, but there's already two bad Christian groups that like get together and talk about stuff. Like these are people that are kind of strangers to each other, but they just open their doors for other people that listen to the podcast. Isn't that cool? Like it kind of started by 
I, I like yeah. it because there's no oversight by us. We're not trying to have proprietary rights right. over or control or anything. They're just people meeting and talking about Jesus and maybe even some of the topics we talked about here on Bad Christian. So I, this should be, a, honestly, a, a call to anybody listening to this. We really do care about community and people being in the community and being real and having a good conversation. So get a yeah. couple friends and have some yeah. deeper talking. You can use our to- topics, you know. Fart, yeah, fart, one, one of them, Jesus, yeah. whatever it is we're talking about. All of it. Yep. Right. right. One, one of the locations is Atlanta. Atlanta. So if you live in Atlanta, email uh, podcast at badchristian.com and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll point you in the right direction. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to try to uh, say these names backwards. Uh, so we have Siram Nitsuj Lidinitsui. All right. So people are going to have to okay. rewind the podcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. It'll, It'll be satanic, satanic messages. messages. Justin, Justin Morris, Austin D. Hill, Daryl Ann Lowry, Ben Sergis, Hunter Bridge, Ray D. Yabera, Matt Tulick, Sam McAnally, Sam McAnally, Andrew Walduck, Cheyenne Gonzalez, and Justin Fitch. And if I pronounced your name correctly, I am sorry. I know you felt left out big time. Uh, but, you, you know, know, sometimes, sometimes I nail it. it. Right on. So thank you it. to those people for bringing us. You know what? Oh. In a world where 15 years ago, everything was right. Everything so damn good happened. Now you're living in this shit hole. That's <laughs> the damn news. No, oh my God, no! I dream of the old days, fifteen years ago. <laughs> America's golden age, the good old days, nineteen ninety-eight. My God, what a year! Two thousand. Good Lord. Shoo, Joey, you had, you hadn't had a new segment in a long time. I, I'm proud of you. Yeah, do you have anything? Thank, thank you for not. I just want to. I just want to uh, take a moment for saying, you know what? A lot of times you you ruin my news. You try to overtake it and hurt my feelings. You try to be mean and cruel. You use your weight to bully me, and I don't like it. I don't hey, like you, it. So this is my you news. You know what? You know what? I uh, I am so good at the news business. I don't have any reputation in it. I'm just a I'm a guy that's good at a lot of stuff. I'm not even prepared for a news story, but I could give you one right now and kick ass majorly to where John or not. I would love not to. Okay, well, well, you know what? what? If, if you're afraid, afraid of uh, just kind of being, being overshadowed by your little brother, brother that's cool, man. man. Moving on. Go, go ahead, ahead with your new story. story. If you got big balls, I just sense fear. Step up to the mic I if you got big fear. balls. I sense fear. If you have big balls, step up to go the mic. Okay, well, hey, this time one minute ago, I did not have a news story, but hot off the press from Huffington Post. This is going to be unbelievable. We read that a Florida man shoes off his fingerprints in hoping of not being ID'd. Oh, my gosh, can you believe it? Dan Rather always, I love that. Yeah, he did that all the time. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, can you believe it, America? Well, well, here's here's why because, because every time, time I, I give the news, news you guys you guys don't feed into it. it. No. Like, like if if, if, if Toby, you were giving your own if, support, is that what you were doing? You were supporting I'm your I'm own. I'm saying if Toby, 
if Toby would have said that, I would have, I would have offered a, oh man. But then I had to do. <laughs> Y'all made me do it. The end of your second sentence, you said Florida man chewed off his fingers. Can you believe it? Oh my gosh! That's pretty funny. All right. Now comes the real news. Now comes the thing that's going to – it might break your heart. It might bring you joy. It might cause you to shed a tear, but it's going to be the damn truth, and that's what I bring. This comes from NJ.com, and it's a roving reporter. Brandon Hazlitt brings this to you. Burglar lives under family spare bed for three days. Oh, you ever had somebody – you ever look under your bed and there was somebody there? I imagined it. Dang, I imagined yeah, it. My, my, yeah, my, my grandma. Your grandma. grandma. Your grandma was grandma. hiding under your bed, Joey. Well, Toby, well, you know, Toby, the, you know the, the, the my mama. That's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're right. I wasn't. You, you actual grandma hid under your bed, Joey. <laughs> oh my lord! What is that? He got to tell one news story. He's on fire. He goes. He, now you're going after your grandma. <laughs> this really lit you I'm up. Laughing. I'm laughing. I'm laughing. I'm laughing because y'all busted me. I, I, got, on I got on Toby for making fun of my grandma, grandma who has dementia, who I love, but I kind of said my goodbyes because she just doesn't remember me. But then I'm the one. Hold on. Our listeners don't understand. Who would word something like that? My grandma's alive. She's fine. I see her at church yeah. every Sunday. I told Toby yeah. Morell sees her at church every Sunday. She talks to Joey, all this stuff. But Joey looks at me and says, "I've said my goodbyes. I'm done." Well, like so next, <laughs> slate's clean. So next, grandma. Next week at church, I said goodbye. Avert your gaze. <laughs> Do not make eye contact next week at church. I have said my goodbyes. Your grandma loves you. She has even with dementia. She's never forgotten you, and you have already said goodbye to her. Toby, she Toby, doesn't she doesn't know who I am. She does not know who I am. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a good move on your part. Good move on her part too. <laughs> All right, so back to the burglar. What did Joey say? Can you believe it? <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Wowie. Wowie. <laughs> Authorities have accused a man of sneaking into a house and staying under the bed for three days. According to the report, Jason Hubbard made his way into the Spotswood home on May 7th when L&L Boulevard resident was taking out the garbage. Hubbard made his way into a spare bedroom where he got under the bed and immediately began charging his four cell phones. (laughs) 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 The intruder remained under the bed for three days until the homeowner heard a noise in the room, spotted Hubbard, and called police just before 9 p.m. on May 10th. According to the report, Hubbard was charged with burglary and theft of electricity. Well, he's going to have to write her a check for restitution for $2.98. I know. <laughs> Thank God she uses, uses those new light bulbs and it didn't get too crazy in there for sure. So, All right. Well, I guess I only have one more news story since Joey snagged that yeah, first let's one. Let's knock one more out. It kind of makes me sad. But I thought this was kind of interesting because uh, there's a real thing now going on. Like, Okay, well, first of all, y'all heard about the line that got killed, Cecil the line by the dentist, right. and everybody's been outraged about that. that was a, a couple weeks back. Now, now there's other people that are, are taking pictures of that, the big game that they've killed and stuff right. like this. So this, this woman is named Sabrina uh, Corgatelli, and she speaks out after posting some of her photos of some big games she killed. And this comes from today.com. That 
let's see, the outrage uh, over the death of Cecil the Lion, which has put which has put a focus on big game hunting, has only made Idaho huntress Sabrina Cor- Corgatelli even more defiant. She starts put, posting all these pictures, and the first one she posts is of her laying beside a dead giraffe that she shot. Uh huh. A big giant oh my giraffe. Oh my gosh. Corgatelli has been posting pictures on her Facebook of various kills she has made recently during a legal hunt in South Africa. A legal, not illegal, right. legal. One of them is of her standing with the, this dead giraffe wrapped around her, and that has attracted hundreds of negative comments. She describes it in her post as a feeling I will never forget killing this animal. She said, to me, it's not just killing an animal. It's the hunt. There's a lot of personal things in my life that have happened recently that have added to that. I won't get into that or disclose those feelings. Everybody just thinks we're cold-hearted killers, and that's not it. There is a connection with the animal, and just because we hunt them doesn't mean we don't have respect for them. Giraffes are very dangerous animals. <laughs> they can hurt you seriously very quickly, is what she said. So you got to kill them. Those bastards will get you first. You just either get them or they'll get you. Damn giraffes. I can't believe them. The posts detail her various kills on a hunting trip in South Africa, South Africa's Kruger National Park, which also includes her posing with an impala, a wildebeest, and a warthog. She seemed to taunt those outraged by the fo- photos and basically kind of went on to get them. And she's, some people think that she should be maybe fired from her job and all this stuff. But she says, everything I've done is legal, so how can you fault somebody because of their hobbies? Yeah. How can an employer chastise you for something you do, you do on your personal time that's legally done? Right. So do you all think she has a point? And also, do you think it's just terrible these people shoot giraffes and all these animals out there? Like, crazy. And honestly, it sounds whatever. It's just she's wealthier Right, hunters sure. that go over to another country and just shoot something because you can't. Well, this one is pretty simple, really. That hunting <laughs> like this, there's a bunch. I think there's a. It's one of the things where people bring the bias straight to it and they don't think about it clearly or logically at all. Number one, it, if you eat meat, then you're eating animals that are killed. And so, on some level, it takes more balls to go hunt the animal. Is better. Like let's say you eat elk, like Seth, right? Or old drummer Seth Studley. He. He shoots elk and puts it in the freezer and eats it, butchers it himself. He, he shot an elk a few miles from his house, or less than a mile from his house, dragged it, skinned it, butchered it. No fossil fuel used. No, everything's totally organic. Yeah. And, it, and he, I mean, not anything. It's the most natural right. thing in the world. And he had to do the kill himself as opposed to get it served in a hamburger patty yeah. or in a steak, yeah. which right. is disconnecting you from the animal. So right. when she's talking about that connection thing, that's that's leg- can be legitimate. I don't know if this was just big game hunting. Now, to eat meat and then just think it's wrong to, to shoot an animal in general is pretty hypocritical. Now, number two... These things in Africa, they've got a lot going on there where the poachers are real, real bad. And the poachers there illegally kill and make a bunch of animals extinct and stuff like that. Rhinos even for rhino horns, stuff like that. So they have these paid ranches for rich people and outside economies come in. And these ranches are unbelievable nature preserves that make that that. Uh, flourish and ha- and are the reason that lots of most animals over not most animals but that a lot of animals that they have that they hunt there are animals that they are preserving by and the ranch and the people coming there to do the controlled hunts are funding it and so most of the money makes the whole habitat for these animals and keeps them from being ex- extinct is legal and it's right. healthy also we know that the, you got to hunt uh, is to control populations and stuff like that and it's natural and you need it in a lot of places to, to get down the coyote population or the bear population, yeah. stuff like that. And no matter what, if an, 
that animal was going to die anyway and would die of something probably much more horrific, like being eaten by a predator viciously versus just get a gunshot or it's going to get a disease or it's going to break its leg and die in the woods. The animal right. was going to die and getting shot with a kill the way they hunters are good at a good kill if they get the shot right and everything is the best way for the animal to die and then the animal can be used so i'm not a hunter and i've never been hunting but at least think you gotta think logically about it not just think that thing's cute that's the bad way of thinking about hunting that lady's dumb and that animal's cute that's not good enough how dangerous do y'all think that. giraffes are, though? Like, seriously, that's oh, pretty vicious, bad. Oh, they're man. <laughs> They'll get you. Yeah, just, I mean, I just think of them like giant, you know, rattlesnakes or, or poisonous spiders that you can't quite stomp on them. <laughs> right. But if you could, you should stomp every last one of those suckers. They are vicious. <laughs> I just, I like the, I'm just really glad that Joey didn't kill an uh, animal 15 years ago because we'd have to hear about it for the rest <laughs> of our lives. <laughs> hey. Hey. Hey, listen, hey, listen, listen to this. Listen to this. Uh, uh, about, about 20 years, 20 ago, years ago, my brother and I and two other friends were on the way, the way to Myrtle Beach to see Blenderhead and MXPX. So this is man, like, when those man, those were bands just were started. just getting started. And our car and broke our down. Well, this, this nice guy, he basically he stops to help us out and he's checking, you know, basically our engine and all that stuff. That was the damn news. Hey. 